It is that time of week again where we get to spend some time together learning about the weekly Parsha. This is the Practical Parsha podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you find these episodes and messages inspiring and meaningful. And again, if you have any questions, comments, would like to reach out and say hello, my email is rabbishlomokon with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week, we begin the fifth book of the Torah, the book of Devarim, the book of Deuteronomy. We have Bereshis, Genesis, Shemos, Exodus, Vayikra, Leviticus, Bamidbar, Numbers, and now finally we're up to the fifth and final book before we complete the Torah on Simchas Torah, which is Devarim. And this week I wanted to discuss a little bit about the Parsha and also about Tisha B'Av, which is going to be, falls out this Sunday and how maybe the two can be connected possibly. So at the end of the 40 years of the Jewish people wandering in the desert, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, asked God permission to review the entire Torah with the Jewish people before he passes on and gives the mantle leadership over to Joshua, to Yeshua, and the Jewish people enter the land of Israel. He wants to go over everything, to have a review of the halachos, of the laws, the trials, the tribulations, the ups and the downs. And God grants Moshe this request and he tells Moshe Rabbeinu what, what to transcribe for eternity in the book of Devarim. To give a little background, the Sefer of Devarim was given over 37 days before Moshe Rabbeinu passed away. It starts then and it, and it finishes on the day of Moshe Rabbeinu's death. All the Jewish people gather, and there's no exception. Everybody has to come and listen to all the halachos, all the laws be said again, now before they're about to embark on the journey of crossing the Jordan, Jordan River, to enter the land of Israel. Now, besides for teaching the halachos, the laws of the Torah, the book of Devarim also recounts the, the trials and tribulations of the Jewish people throughout their 40 years in the desert. Their ups, their downs. He includes words of rebuke as well as words of prophecy and redemption. And aside from the review of the entire Torah, the book of Devarim includes as well over seven, includes 70 new mitzvos which are given for the first time now in this time period. The question I wanted to start off with today is this review guide that we're talking about, that this, the book of Devarim is also known as Mishnah Torah, which is translated as a review of the Torah. So although Moshe Rabbeinu at that time, when he actually taught this over to the entire Jewish people, he gave over the entire Torah in, in its whole form, for eternity, the entire Torah wasn't given over again in the book of Devarim. The review was only some of the mitzvot that were written down for posterity. Not the whole thing. And only some of the stories of the Jewish people are listed in Devarim. Not everything. And only some of the mistakes of the Jewish people are listed in this fifth book. Not everything. So the question I want to ask is what was the determining factor 
that decided that which mitzvah should be included and which should be excluded? What was the basis for the narrative as to which trials and tribulations should be included and which should be excluded? What was the factor that included the, the different points of admonition? What, what was the deciding factor? That's the, the point I want to discuss today. That why is it the book of Devarim, as we have it, that was divinely given over to Moshe Rabbeinu to tell the Jewish people, why for posterity does it only include certain parts of the Torah? And why those parts of the Torah specifically? What messages do the stories and mitzvos of the book of Devarim contain for us that we can learn out from nowadays? And what did Moshe Rabbeinu want to tell the Jewish people? So Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, who is one of the leaders of German Jewry, I believe in the late 1800s, gives a beautiful explanation to help us understand why certain mitzvot were included, certain mitzvot were excluded, why the narrative was chosen for posterity. What was the basis for the narrative that we have? And he explains that at this point in time, after 40 years in the desert, the Jews were about to begin a new phase in their existence. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, was about to pass the mantle of leadership to Joshua. He was about to pass away. The Jews were about to enter the land of Israel. In the past 40 years, the children of Israel had a miraculous existence. They didn't have to worry about food. They had the mun, which fell from heaven. They didn't need to worry about water. They had the well of Miriam. And even once that dried up, Moses hit the rock and the water came out. It's brought down that the clothing that the Jewish people wore did not wear and did not have wear and tear. It grew with them. They never needed new clothing. It actually says it in the verse. The protection they had was from the, the divine clouds of glory. They lived in the presence of Moshe and Aaron, the two, one of the, the two greatest leaders of our time, Moses and Aaron. All they did was study Torah all day long. They would learn from Moshe Rabbeinu and they would, everything else was taken care of for them. Sure, there were different mistakes that the Jewish people made, but the level that the generation was on, the generation of the desert was on, was an extremely exalted level. The, the, the commentary in the Talmud, they relate how, what a high level they, the, the people of that time were on because they were able to study all the time. Their only sense of existence, the only thing that they needed to do was learn. They didn't worry about anything else. And now, what was about to change? They were about to enter the land of Israel, which was inhabited by the seven nations. They would have to do battle with them, to fight, to conquer. And even once they would conquer, they would have to set up a system of government establish a court system throughout the land. They would need to grow, divide the, they would need to divide the land. They would have to plant, grow, harvest, work the land. They would need to set up a system to sustain the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. Real life was about to begin. 
And not that it's a bad thing, but it was a different existence that the Jewish people didn't know only until this point. And it would be a major change in their lives. And even aside from all the things that they would need to do to establish a successful nation in the land of Israel, they would have a constant negative that would be weighing on them. Because the influence, the influences of the surrounding nations would be pushing and enticing them to, to sin, to join their idol worship, to abandon the Torah. So even aside from the positive things they needed to do to grow, to establish a government, to conquer the land, they would have to fight against the negative which would try to invade their lives and try to get them to stray from the Torah. So as you could imagine, it was a, a big challenge they would have to overcome. The book of Devarim is God's message through Moshe Rabbeinu of fortification of the Jewish people. Seeing that the Jewish people were about to have this change in reality, that the grind of life would start, the messages of fortification of the halachos they would need to learn, recounting their past mistakes of what not to do and how to do it better, the mitzvos of settling the land, of building the land, of having a court system. These were all necessary to build up Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. He fortified their faith in Hashem, that they should be able to withstand the challenges, the temptations, and equip them with the tools that they would need to build and live successfully in the land of Israel. He was inspiring the people and teaching them that all the things we've learned until this point in time, now is the moment that you need to put them into action, to use them for actually taking over the land, for conquering it, for establishing it, for solidifying it, for building it up, for for getting to the next level of the Jewish people's existence, you need to take that inspiration and put it into something. And I think this is a really important message because we all get inspired in different ways. Some of us, if we hear a certain song, it could give us that feeling of inspiration. For others, we hear a Devar Torah, we hear a Torah thought. It brings us up. It gets us going. For some people, you look at the Grand Canyon, it gives you this certain sense of, of awe, of inspiration. Everyone's different in how they get inspired, how they get, their, get themselves going. But one thing we're all the same is that once we get inspired, we need to take that inspiration and put it into action. So it's important to fortify ourselves to build ourselves up, to know what we need to do. But in the end of the day, we need to take all that knowledge, that inspiration, and put it into something concrete and real. Because if we don't do that, and we just have the inspiration and the learning, it's just going to go away. Because inspiration just fades away. It doesn't last. What lasts is action. And for practically for for us, that means when we feel a certain sense that we want to be better, we're inspired, we want to improve, however that may occur, 
We need to think of a way of how we can channel that inspiration, that moment, into something more real, something more concrete. And that could mean, for some people, learning a little bit more. For others, it could be looking at an area in our lives that we can improve in, whether it be our relationship with Hashem, our relationship with God, or our relationship with other people. It could also be taking upon a mitzvah upon ourselves. And you know what? Many times these things scare people off because we look at it as a lifetime commitment. Sure, we we always want to change for the long term. But even making a commitment to change for a week, for two weeks, is an accomplishment. And it's easier sometimes if we take the inspiration and we want to channel it into something real. If we just say, I'm going to do this for a week. And when we do that week, we can see how it goes and see if we want to continue. But the point is, is that in the book of Devarim, the message is a message of inspiration, of fortification, because the Jewish people are about to use that inspiration to go forward and actually conquer the land and establish it. So, so too with us, when it comes to ourselves and how we do get inspired, we should remember this idea that it shouldn't just be inspiration, it should be inspiration that we were able to take and to put into something meaningful and real, which is an action. I once spoke to somebody who said a a, a very nice idea. When it comes to self-confidence, it's very important that we, we, we need to know what we're good at. But it's not just enough to know what you're good at. You have to go out and go use, do those things that you're good at in order to build up your self-confidence. So, And it really is the same as this idea. Because if we know we're good at something, we should know that. But then we have to go do what we're good at to make ourselves have that value and that self-worth. And just to really tie this into Tisha B'Av quickly, because the the question which bothers many people on Tisha B'Av is why does this the why does the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash how is, does that bother me? How does that relate to me? It happened thousands of years ago. I never saw the Beis Hamikdash, the Temple. My parents never saw it. My grandparents never saw it. But yet we're still crying about it thousands and thousands of years later. And the message, the way I like to explain it, is that what's the tragedy when, God forbid, a young person passes? When even, it's even more of a tragedy when a child passes away. What, why is it much more sad and much more you know, upsetting and, than an than older person passing? Right? There's clearly a difference when a child, God forbid, or a young person passes on suddenly, the impact that makes on people. Why is it much worse? And the answer to that, I believe, is that when a child, God forbid, passes, or a young person, God forbid, passes, there is a certain sense of potential that was never actualized, and it's never going to be actualized, at least right now because the person passed on. And that's a tragedy. The fact that someone couldn't be the most they could have been, they didn't, weren't able to live their life to, to, to leave that legacy, to accomplish, to be great. It was cut short. That's such a sad thing. And when it comes to Tisha B'Av, the idea is that the Beis Migdash, the temple was a place on this earth where God's presence manifests itself, where the Shekhinah rested, 
in a physical in, in, in a physical sense. The Shechina manifests itself in this world. And when a person would come to the Beis Amigdash, you could just imagine the feeling they would experience, the sense of closeness to Hashem, the sense of clarity they would have in direction of life. People and and people came away from that experience with such an exalted level of inspiration that they could go now and use to go forward to be the best they could be. And the tragedy of Tisha B'Av is the fact that us as a nation, as a Jewish nation, and also us as individuals, we're not able to reach our true potential. It's much harder to have that clarity and, and direction because the Shekhinah is not resting among us, and that's a tragedy. And the reason why I think it ties in is because this idea of taking inspiration and applying it to something real. As I mentioned before, the, the Beis Amigdash helped us take that inspiration and actualize it into reality to reach our potentials. And in this week's Parsha, we see the importance of taking inspiration and channeling it into something real. And I think it's very appropriate, especially now during these, this time of mourning of the Temple, where we know that the Temple was destroyed because of sinas chinam, baseless hatred. And we're still suffering from that original sin. And the way that we are that we rectify the destruction of the Beis Amigdash and merit to the rebuilding of the third temple speedily within our days is by doing just the opposite, is by having the care, compassion, by loving one another. That's how we're going to merit the rebuilding of the Beis Amigdash. And just a, a thought, if we could take some thought of inspiration and maybe channel it into something specifically in the area of Bain Adam Lechavero, between man and man, to treat each other better, just to have a smile for another, to, to treat someone nicely, to say hello, to give someone a compliment. It will go a long way in rebuilding the temple, the Beis Amigdash, speedily within our days. And that's going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishlomakon with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.